The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for joining us for another show on Winning Ponies. Having a great time. And of course, we're gearing up. We're getting closer and closer to the Derby. Last week with Rich Nielsen, we handicapped two of the top Derby preps in the Arkansas Derby and the Toyota Bluegrass Stakes. We'll get on to those races in just a little bit. Other ones we looked at were the Grade 1 Madison, where it looks like we've got a new groupie doll on the rise. And also, shall we say, a hard-fought Oaklawn handicap. Hope you caught that one. Well, our first guest is going to be none other than Stuart Elliott. He's been grabbing some headlines lately in that the guy who's won numerous titles at parks or what used to be uh, Philadelphia Park uh, is moving his tack to Kentucky. So it'll be interesting to uh, to find out about uh, him moving to Kentucky and also Find out about his background. Born in Canada, ended up living in uh, in Hong Kong. Uh, started riding when he was sixteen. Really interested in finding out about his background. And uh, this week we were going to look at a couple. I don't know. Would you call them Preakness preps? Uh, one will be the Illinois Derby. Obviously, it was not granted rights by Churchill Downs, so uh, none of these horses pointing towards the Derby, but easily you could see one of these horses popping up in the Preakness stakes. Uh, an interesting entry in here is uh, Midnight Hawk from the Baffert Barn. He was hoping to be on the Derby trail. It seems to have some distance limitations, but he's trying a mile and an eighth once again. Of course, the Preakness, a mile and three-sixteenths. And also, the Coolmore Lexington. Now, this race really had served as a launching pad for some some, some top horses that were in the Derby and went on to become uh, very good horses. Uh, back in 85, Stephens Odyssey. You may remember he finished second to spend a buck in the Kentucky Derby. I remember it because I had about five exacta tickets, and I decided to save them and cash them at a later date. Well, they landed in a drawer somewhere. Kentucky, unlike some states, does not honor tickets forever. And I found that out the hard way. I believe it was about $125 exact. It was spend a buck. Uh, what can I say? But the, the following year, uh, Lexington launched Risen Star. Uh, a horse, if he had not been given some bad instructions, perhaps in the Kentucky Derby, may have been a triple crown winner. And then in 91, Hansel, who went on to win the, uh, the Preakness. And in 1999, Launched a Derby winner and charismatic. So we'll take a look at the at the Lexington. It's a very low point race. Perhaps this was a race for horses that were on the bubble, but it doesn't look like any of the bubble horses are going to need the ten points on top uh, that they're giving out. 
Then we're going to take a look at older mares over in New York. It's a distaff handicap, a grade two for $200,000. And we'll go to the the Ben Ali at Keeneland, a very evenly matched group here. Uh, horse, though, that I think could be pretty dangerous in there, Frack Daddy. But we'll find out who Rich Ng likes. We went from Rich Nielsen last week to Rich Ng this week. Of course, Rich has been a regular on the show. I really enjoy uh, handicapping with him. Uh, he wrote the book, Handicapping for Dummies, and he is also a writer for the Las Vegas Review-Journal and the Daily Racing Forum. So, uh that's a look at what's coming up on the show, so please stay tuned. And remember, if you miss any of the shows, we've got them on podcast for you. Well, uh, Horse of the Year, two-time Horse of the Year, Wise Dan, won his debut in the Maker's Mark Mile at Keeneland. That was last Friday, and it uh, looked like he needed the rest. I remember that uh, Chuck Lepresti was saying, you know, I hope I got him fit enough with the winter weather here. We had some setbacks, and... Uh, you know, I'm not sure if I got him fit, but obviously he did. Uh, on the far turn, Wise Dan just drew abreast of the leaders with a big circling move without being asked. And the wind margin was three-quarters of a length. Probably didn't want it to be that close. But uh, nonetheless, uh, he got it done over uh, Kaijin with Alan Garcia in there, who was ahead of Lachte, if I'm saying that right, the third choice. Uh, the uh, second choice in the race was Za Approval who had a pretty tough trip inside under Julie Le Peru, and he ended up finishing back in fourth. So uh, Wise Dan now, uh, it looks as though uh, he's probably going to make his uh, next appearance on Derby Day in the Grade 1 Woodford Reserve Turf Classic. So that's only going to add to the luster of, of Derby Day on May 3rd, my son Casey's birthday. All right, let's take a look at some of the other uh, headlines. Looks like Constitution is out. He's making room for some other horses. The undefeated winner of the Florida Derby is going to miss the Derby because of a shin fracture. Elliot Walden, president of Windstar, said on Wednesday this horse had won all three of his races at Gulfstream Park. The Florida Derby was worth 100 points, so he was going to get in. Uh, according to uh, Windstar, uh, he has the fracture to the cannon bone of his right front. They said uh, the injury was discovered on Monday after work at Palm Meadows. And uh, they say it's, uh, in their opinion, nothing very serious. He's going to give us some time on the farm, and they hope to uh, have him back on the track later in the year. So uh, Constitution looked like to be a big, big horse, uh, goes to the sidelines. That probably moves Uncle Cy into the top 20, as you know, that's all the horses that will be going in the starting gate at the Derby. And uh, it'll be interesting. Things happen between now and, and May 3rd. But uh, he, he is out. Social inclusion is, I think, sitting at about number 26. If we might get a chance to look at the list if time uh, allows us. Uh, he is still pointing towards there. And uh, we're starting to get jockey's name for the Kentucky Derby. And it looks like uh, my good friend Rafael Bejarano is going to ride Wildcat Red in the Kentucky Derby. He's had uh, quite a few riders uh, uh, over his uh, his career uh, with Edgar Zayas. Uh, he, he had Paco Lopez up when he was beaten ahead by General A-Rod in the Gulfstream Park Derby. Then he won the Grade Three Hutchinson with Javier Castellano and the Grade Two Fountain of Youth under Luis Sayas. Uh, but uh, it looks like those guys have other commitments. Uh, uh, Castellano 
who's going to ride Constitution, Sayez is going to stay on Cairo Prince. Who would have thought he'd be a bubble horse this time of the year? He was, I believe, the pre-derby favorite in the future book. But nonetheless, good luck to my friend Rafael Bejarano on Wildcat Red. Uh, trying to look at see some of the other uh, horse, uh, horses that will have jockeys assigned to them. Uh, General Arod looks like Joel Rosario is going to be on him. Of course, Rosario's also been riding Tapature, uh, who was fourth in last Saturday's Arkansas Derby, but it looks like he's going with General Arod. And uh, so Tapature, believe it or not, doesn't have a confirmed rider for the Derby. Of course, Rosario won last year's Derby on orb so uh that that's a look at some of the derby news and it looks like uh they're saying that the uh, oaks is going to have a full field uh even though heavy favorite untappable will be in the gate the million dollar oaks is going to have a full field and that's good news for all of us uh, who like to bet on them uh probably some of the uh, top horses you, you might know are sugar shock fashion plate awesome baby in tune my miss sophia uh, Rosalind, uh, Rhea Antonio, Kiss Moon. So, uh, you know, on any given day, one of those can jump up and win. But uh, certainly that you'd have to say with the performances we've seen this year, it looks like untappable uh, is going to be the one to beat. Well, a gentleman that, that, has, that has won the Oaks uh, won't be hanging around Churchill Downs any longer. Uh, this was a surprise. Got this from Jenny Reese. Uh, Larry Jones uh, relocated back to Delaware Park from Kentucky uh, because he has a 54-horse stable, and he really said he didn't want to be running between barns. So uh, what he's going to do is he's going to go to Delaware Park, who accommodated his entire stable, and it's just going to make it a lot more easier on him. He said he couldn't go running around from barn to barn. He wants to be able to oversee everything at the same time. And for those in the know, uh, we'll know that uh, uh, Mr. Jones... uh, when he left Delaware, he wasn't getting along with Racing Secretary Pat Pope, but Pope, uh, the longtime Racing Secretary at Oaklawn, is no longer at Delaware. Uh, he's taken over the same post at Prairie Meadows in in Iowa. And uh, in some breeding news, uh, this doesn't come as any surprise, Take Charge Lady has been named Kentucky's Broodmare of the Year. What of a find she was. Uh, Kenny McPeak trained her multiple grade one winner, and uh, she has just put another feather in her cap. Uh, of course, uh, she uh, bred uh, Will Take Charge, who was just a sensational horse, uh, won the grade one Traverse Stakes, and uh, she's also been a commercial success. Her first fall, uh, Charming, sold for $3.2 million. She's also the dam of a filly by Warfront, was bred back to him. On the track, she won 11 of 22 starts, $2.4 million. So uh, congratulations to the connections there. Uh, Let's move on to uh, some of those really good races we saw last week. Um, We'll we'll start out with uh, the Bluegrass, which, of course, was a run for the last time on Polytrack. We announced here on Winning Ponies that that's going to be torn up and dirt's going to be put in. And the winner in here was Dance with Fate, in from the West Coast, trained by Peter Erlen, who says this horse probably won't be going to the Kentucky Derby. Now, obviously, his owners could change his mind, but he said this was really the race they were pointing for. He won the El Camino. He just missed winning the El Camino Real uh, Derby over Tamarondo, uh, but uh, he uh, 
was very impressive down in Lexington last week. Uh, running running second in there was medal count. A lot of people scratching their head that uh, Dale Romans ran right back after winning the Transylvania Stakes at Keeneland on April 4th, but medal count got the second spot. And leading most of the way was Pablo Del Monte. He got a little tired, a West Ward trainee at 9-1. to one. The favorite, Bobby's Kitten, trying poly track for the first time, had only raced on turf. It was very impressive. I can tell you this. Was down on the rail, and Javier Castellano had his hands and feet full. He was fighting this horse the whole way, and may have paid for it. They just need to get this horse back on grass, is the way I see it. Uh, the other important uh, three-year-old race was the Arkansas Derby, and the Arkansas Derby uh, went to upset forty-one to one Danza, making only his fourth career start, second win, upset time at 41-1, to slipped through on the rail, got the jump on ride on Curlin, and uh, finishing third was the mystery horse, Bayern, from the Baffert Barn. We weren't sure how he was going to run. Well, he ran on the lead as good as he could, but came up short in this mile and an eighth race. Also out at Oaklawn Rumble in the jungle, the Oaklawn Handicap, it looked like a replay of the Rebel Stakes. They were bumping each other all the way down the lane, and because they were bumping each other, the winner did not get taken down. Will Take Charge, the favorite, got the job done for trainer D. Wayne Lucas. It was a bit of a rough ride, but they were exchanging bumps down there. Finishing second was Revolutionary, and a third was carved, and then of course uh, on the undercard at Keeneland, we said the horse to beat was Judy the Beauty, and Judy the Beauty was, and Judy the Beauty is now being compared to Groupie Doll. She's had four starts at Keeneland, four victories, and she is now a millionaire. All right, that pretty much rounds out the national racing scene. Coming up next, we're going to get a chance to talk to the new kid in Kentucky, but he's quite a veteran and accomplished rider, Stuart Elliott. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Your internet flagship station for sports 
Business Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me right now is Kentucky Derby winning jockey Stuart Elliot, uh, of course, uh, you know, most people get, got uh, introduced to him first with all the exciting races with Smarty Jones, but this is one accomplished individual who started out early at the age of 16. He uh, mostly has been kind of a Philly boy most of his life, but he's been knocking him dead there for, for years. Uh, he uh, has won over 4,000 races. Um, on January 18th, he won the 4,000th race of his career at Philadelphia Park. Um, of course, in 2004, he had uh, the ride of his life uh, aboard Smarty Jones, and uh, he has a very interesting background that I want to get into. But first, let me introduce Stuart Elliott. How are you? Very good, thank you. <laughs> well, Stuart, I, I, I thought it was interesting. I mean, with, with all the amazing success that you've had uh, in in uh, in the Philadelphia area, that you, that you've made this decision at this point in your life uh, to move to Kentucky. But before we get there, would you kind of tell my audience a little bit about your upbringing? I mean, you, you were born in Canada. Uh, you grew up in a horse racing family. Your father was a jockey for many years. Even your mother rode show horses and was a riding instructor. Uh, your uncle owned a racing stable in Canada. And then at some point you moved to Hong Kong for six years. Can, can you describe your childhood to us and, and how it looked like you were just born to ride? Well, well, yeah, that that's true. You know, both my my father and my mother. You know, they were they both grew up around horses. And um, when I was seven years old, uh, I was born in Toronto, Canada. And uh, then when I was seven. Um, my father was a jockey in, in Canada, um, uh, but he always fought his weight. You know, he had a hard time making the weight and he had a brother, um, uh, my uncle, of course, who had went to Hong Kong and was doing well over there. And the weights were heavier in Hong Kong. Like, like the bottom weight was 22, where in the United States, that's our high weight, um, so my father, you know, he got he got a job for my father, and and you kind of have to be invited over there. You just can't go. You have to, you know, have. It was actually a an Australian trainer who asked my father to come, and um, we went over there. My father actually got a, to ride for another five years because um, he could never. He he was he was really heavy and having trouble making the weight in the United States. Well. With those scale of weights being higher over there, he got another five years out of it. And, uh, you know, I, I was there from the time I was 7 to 12 um, in Hong Kong. So that was something, you know, that was, that was, kind, of, that was kind of different. Um, now, did, but that's were you, how it happened. Used to, you learned the language, or did you go to an American school? How did you get educated? Well, 
Well, it's British. It was British rule, so there's a lot of there was a lot of kids from England, from from uh, Australia. So I actually went to an English speaking school. Um, so that was that was you know that was pretty good. That was made it a lot better for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you were there, you were, you were twelve. Um, how do you come back, and how do you start your racing career? Okay, well, when we came back, um, you know, I was 12 years old, and I really had been, you know, I had been with my father around the racetrack a little bit, but mostly it was all on TV. So when we came back, my parents bought a farm in New Jersey, and my father started training horses, and my mom, we had some riding horses, and my mom gave riding lessons, so... Um, you know, my mom taught me how to ride the ponies and, and we, me and my sister, we both had quarter horses. We used to go to the, the horse shows and show the horses. And then when I was like 13, you know, I would go to the track on the, on the weekends and walk the horses and, and my mom and dad basically taught me how to ride on the farm. And then, you know, when I was old enough, um, I started riding. Uh, so at 16, that, that, that was old enough back then. Some states have uh, different rules where you have to be 18 now. Um, you know, you were basically uh, kind of Stevie Cawthon, only you were located in the Philly area, huh? Yes, exactly, yeah. Now, uh, d- describe to me uh, your uh, development, I mean, of t- to ride... Uh, over 4,000 winners. I mean, uh, was there somebody that you idolized or was there somebody at Philadelphia Park that, that influenced uh, your ability? Because it's sure different than, than riding in the ring with your parents. Yeah, well, I used to I used to watch jockeys. You know, I used to watch the races. And, and like you say, Steve Coffin, um, you know, I, I, watched, I watched him. Um, but at Philadelphia Park at the time, there was a, a jockey called Tony Black. Oh, yeah. I always liked the way Tony rode. He always stayed real low in the saddle. And my idol was Angel Cordero. I, I really, you know, he was, he was, you know, always in the big races. And I just thought that he was, um, you know, so smooth on a horse. Just, you know, um I thought he was one of my, you know, one of my favorites. And you, you kind of figure, you know, who you like, and you try to copy and, and, and ride kind of like the guys that you like, you know? Absolutely. Well, that, that, that's, that's, that's a pretty good guy to copy from, for sure. Now, let's move into uh, the, the era of, of Smarty Jones. Obviously, you were well-known to, to the people Hello. of the Philadelphia area. But uh, even with that many wins and that many riding Hello. titles, uh, you, you weren't a, a nationally known name. And I'm sure people started saying, hey, this, guy, this horse is going to the Kentucky Derby. Hello. Who's Stuart Elliott? Stu? Yes. Stu, can Hello. you hear me? Can you hear me, Stuart? Yes, I hear you. Yes. Um... Just to describe to me, like I said, I mean, you were a very accomplished rider, uh, but all of a sudden you were, like, thrust into racing spotlight in the Kentucky Derby. What was that like? Oh, it was it was great. I mean, you know, to, to get on a horse um, like that, 
uh, especially from, you know, where I was riding in Philadelphia. You know, most of the horses come from, you know, Kentucky, California, New York. So um, it was really, it was really great to get on a horse, um, you know, that was that good to to be able to go to the, the Kentucky Derby, you know. Well, I know, I think it was uh, perhaps after uh, the Derby. Uh, didn't something like 10,000 people show up just to watch a workout one morning? Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> well, as we're getting close to the first t- Saturday in May, take us back. You weren't a regular rider at Churchill. Uh, was uh, butterflies, was there excitement? Uh, what what kind of emotions were you going through? Um, You know, it's funny, Every, everybody, I've been asked that so many times. But actually, for me, you know, when I first rode this horse, um... It was at Philadelphia Park. He he was he had never run. He was a first time starter for John Service, who I rode a lot of horses for. Um, and actually, you know, I I would work most of his horses in the morning, but I had never been on this horse, and you know, just didn't think nothing of it. It was just another horse, another first time starter, and he was the number two post position, I think, going short three quarters of a mile. And the only thing John told me was just to watch him in the gate, that he was, you know, could be a little bit fancy in the gate. He wasn't a real good gate horse. So anyway, he, he broke really sharp, and he went right to the lead. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, he didn't really relax. He was just running, and he was just, like, all out. And I'm thinking, oh, no, this horse is just flying, and he's going to stop, you know. But he kept running. And um, I was like, wow. I said to John Service, I said, where'd you get this one from? You've been hiding this one on me because <laughs> I had never worked him. And, and John just laughed. So the whole thing was the, with the horse was we knew he could really run, but we didn't know if he would settle enough to be able to run in the, in the longer races, you know, um, a mile, a mile and eighth, a mile and a quarter. And so as time went on, he, 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 he actually won every race as he gradually, every race got a little bit longer. So it was always kind of a question. And, and, and you know, when he, when we actually got to the Arkansas Derby, um, he, he, he ran in New York, he, he won, and then he went to Arkansas and he won his races over there. There was, um, the three races, um, the Southwest, the Rebel, in the Arkansas Derby, and when he come to the Arkansas Derby, that was where I felt the most pressure, really, than than anything, because the horse had to run first or second to have to have enough points to to go to the Kentucky Derby. It was my first million dollar race, and that's really where I felt, you know where I had the butterflies and, and this and that, you know. But after he uh-huh. won that race, um, I think it kind of prepped me for the Kentucky Derby. When we went to the Kentucky Derby, I was I was good. I, I just said all along, you know, of course, everybody's interviewing me and asking questions. The whole thing is if, if, if nothing goes wrong, you know, a lot of things can happen in a horse race. And, and my big thing was um, if we was to get beat, I just hope we get beat fair and square where nothing goes wrong. He doesn't stumble leaving the gate or get boxed in or something like that. Well, it, it happened, and, and then obviously 
your Preakness victory. Um, you know, it, it had to be crushing. It was for so many people. I was at a racetrack. You were watching the Belmont, and when when, when Birdstone threw his nose in front, you 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 could have heard somebody fart. It got so quiet. I mean, it was just unbelievable. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, just just a, a fantastic run for you. And what's great is, I mean, it launched you on the cover of Sports Illustrated, and obviously people knew who you were and knew that you were a guy that, that could win uh, some of the classics. And now uh, you're not a kid anymore. You moved your track to Kentucky, and you're already impressing people. The Keeneland Jockey Colony is not a soft one, and you're having a pretty darn good meet down there. Can, I've only got about a minute or two left. Can you just describe to me um, the reason for your move to Kentucky and uh, your feelings so far about being there? Well, sure. Um, you know, I've always loved Kentucky. Um, actually, my wife uh, and her family's here in Kentucky. And um, my agent that I have now, Nelson Arroyo, um, he, he's he's a, a jockey agent in Kentucky. He called me, and I rode with Nelson in Philadelphia um, a few years ago. And uh, he called me and said, he thought that I could do well out here, that I could consider, I should consider coming out here. And I thought, well, we were actually going to come to Kentucky anyway when I retired, because um, my wife's family's from here and we really like it. So I says, well, you know what? Let, let's let's do it. You know, let's give it a give it a shot. The, the horse racing is very good. I mean, the quality of horses. If you're looking for another Derby horse, I mean, let's face it, this is this is where they're at. A um, lot of good horses, a lot of good trainers. So here we are. Well, I, I, I wish you nothing but the best, Stuart. And all I know is that I'm, I'm you know reading the form, and there's still there's a couple Derby horses out there. You know, this is the time of year where they play musical chairs with their musical saddles, I should say. And there may be a horse or two out there that that, that could use a Kentucky Derby winning rider, and I sure hope you end up in that gate on the first Saturday in May. Oh, well, thank you very much. All right, Stuart. Well, hopefully I'll get to see you down at Keeneland this weekend. Thanks so much for spending time with uh, myself and with our audience on Winning Ponies. Okay, thank you very much. All right, we've been talking with uh, Stuart Elliott. We're going to take a quick break, and we come back. We're going to break down some of the uh, top three-year-old action and handicap a few races with one of my favorite handicappers, Rich Ng. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. 
In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, a gentleman that is no stranger to the Listeners of Winning Ponies, the problem with Rich Ng is every time I have a session with him, he says, no problem, John, call any time, and I keep calling. But uh, Rich Ng, is a, he writes for the Las Vegas Review-Journal and uh, the Daily Racing Forum. Uh, he's also an author. Uh, he wrote a great book I would recommend for any of your friends that say, hey, I, you know, it looks like you really enjoy racing. I want to get into the game. It's called Handicapping for Dummies, still available on Amazon. With me right now, Richard Ng. Rich, how you doing? Hey, real good, John, and uh, I would never mind being on a rotation basis with you and your listeners because you're an old friend. Uh, we spent a lot of good time together, and you know, talking horses is as much fun as you can have for guys like us. A- absolutely, and I'll never forget those good times that we had. Well, you know, uh, this is exciting times. You know, we're 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 coming up. You know, on 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 the Derby, pretty much it's you know decided at at this point. Um, who may or may not go as far as, you know, anything can happen in the next couple of weeks. And uh, they're saying that, uh, you know, the, the the winner of the Bluegrass, who jumped into the third spot, Dance with Fate, uh, the way Peter Yurton was talking, he really wasn't, like, pointing towards the Derby. He was pointing towards the Bluegrass. That would be crazy to be the third leading point earner and not even try it. I know that he's more of a poly horse, but there's only one Derby. Yeah, well, I'm real familiar with the horse because obviously he's based in uh, Southern California, and uh, Peter Erton is is one of those trainers who flies below the radar. But you know, he he certainly knows what to do with a good horse, and this horse has been managed very well this spring. They've pretty much kept him on the poly, you know, the synthetic surfaces and turf. And uh, his win in the bluegrass, you could tell by the way he exploded in the stretch that he was absolutely on the screws. And uh, it's inter- it was interesting to hear the post race because. As you just alluded to, you know most trainers are over the moon because you know now now they've got a spot in the Kentucky Derby. But he was kind of heaven and awe, and you know he was he was thrilled to win the Bluegrass. He was thinking maybe I could stay on synthetics and turf, but it'll be up to the owners to see if they want to go ahead because you know winning the Derby uh, in some cases, many cases, is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah, you know we, we we've only got two, two weeks, and you know the horse is a colt. You know, unlike, I believe, Shared Belief, who's a gelding, uh, where, you know, he doesn't really have to press the button to get to the Derby. I mean, it's something that could in- enhance your pocketbook for a long time. But i got to be honest with you, Rich, um, the re- Two-Step Salsa, who's a very young sire, um, just uh, I-, I find it hard to believe that 
as impressive as this horse was in the bluegrass, that that he's the kind of horse that could throw a mile and a quarter derby winner. Yeah, you know, people will analyze pedigree and, and things like that. And, you know, horses uh, prove us wrong all the time. You know, horses that are bred to, to run short run long and horses that are bred to run long run short. <laughs> you know, so so they make us look kind of dumb at times. But, uh, you know, the thing about the, the first Saturday in May is none of these horses are run a mile and a quarter. And uh, you find out at the top of the stretch when some of them start backing up and some of them start moving on, who wants to go further and who doesn't. I mean, now, Rich, you know, you think about the, this year's Derby. I, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, that Cairo Prince may have ended up being the favorite in the uh, pre-Derby wagering. Um, and he, he ended up being a bubble horse. It looks like he's going to sneak in now. But, you know, this is going to be, I would not be surprised if the favorite in the Derby was 4-1. to one. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either because, even as impressive as California Chrome has been on the West Coast, you know, there's still a lot of uh, non-believers, if I could, you know, categorize them as that. And so, you know, you're going to have people who are going to like uh, horses from the Midwest, horses from the East, and things like that. So, and, you know, with a 20-horse field, the way the parimutuel system works, uh, there is so much opportunity to spread the betting out that uh, yeah, I'd be shocked if he was uh, any lower than 7-2 to two in California Chrome. I'm pretty sure Mike Battaglia is, as I stated, this has got to be the morning line favorite, on Wood. Well, that was my next question. Obviously, he spent the earliest part of his career running against state breads, but all of a sudden he's proven himself that he has no idea he's a cow bred, and he's been running like a monster. Do you think he can get the job done? Well, he certainly has given every indicator that, you know, he's, he, that he can get it done. I think the what impresses me about his race is visually is the fact that he looks like a push-button horse, because if, if your listeners get a chance, they should probably try to watch as many replays as they can of these prep races. And I think when people watch the California Chrome races, you know, Victor, in those wins in California, he, he didn't really send this horse to uh, get position early. This horse kind of broke, has natural speed on his own, and, and, and has tactical speed to set a position. But you can tell when Victor Espinosa sits on this horse, he doesn't push the button till the top of the stretch, and then this horse just kicks away. And that's why those daylight wins have been so visually impressive, is because he didn't really ask the horse to run until they, they reached the last quarter mile of the race. Well, as I glance at the, at the top 20, um, I'm looking at some horses that I know you are more familiar with because of your West Coast connections. I found it very interesting that I believe Gary Stevens is committing himself to Candy Boy, and I think Candy Boy just needed that last race. Yeah, Candy Boy's a, a nice-looking horse. Uh, John Sadler's the trainer, and uh, Gary has had some very nice things to say about this horse. And you know, the thing about the way horses are being brought up to the Derby uh, in recent years compared to, you know, a few decades ago, John, is that, you know, the trainers are taking their time, that they're getting less races into these horses, and, you know, sometimes the development is not as quick as we've seen in the past. The two-year-old racing is, uh, to some of these horses, almost negligible. So, you know, a horse like Candy Ride and, and some others that, you know, when you look at the prep races, it, it looks to me like some of these horses – you know, that may have not won their, their final prep, actually might have come into the race needing a race. If that's the case, then, you know, the Kentucky Derby, they should be moving forward, which makes them incredibly dangerous and at a square price. 
Absolutely. There's just something about that horse that I've always been impressed with. And the fact that uh, Gary Stevens is sticking with him, because I'm sure he probably could have had his choice of perhaps a few others in there, uh, is, is a big, big, uh, you know, Big thing to look at. Um, of course, California Chrome right now is, is the points leader. Uh, Vickers in trouble. I believe our girl Rosie's going to ha- have a shot at uh, the, be the first woman to win a Kentucky Derby. Uh, that, that horse is interesting. A Louisiana bred with Kentucky, Kentucky Connections, owned by the Ramseys but not bred by them. Uh, the horse was impressive down in Louisiana. Um, the Wicked Strong was impressive. And then, you know, you've had the, uh, the, the match races uh, between uh, – uh, you know, Samurott and General A-Rod. Um, it's it's going to be a very, very interesting Kentucky Derby. It, it's not one of those where I think you can go walk around and say, oh, so-and-so is a slam dunk in here. Yeah, because when, you know, they figure out who the 20 horses are eventually going to be in the, they draw the post positions. For example, we lost uh, Constitution. He got hurt, so he's, he's uh, uh, he was the number seven horse on the list, but now he's, he's dropped by the wayside. But, you know, when the, finalized the 20, you know, as a handicapper, you have to try to figure out the, the pacing area of the race. Some of these horses are speed horses, some are stalkers, some are closers, and you try to visualize how the race is going to be run. For those people who, you know, did it correctly last year, they, they might have visualized a fast pace, and, and they were able to bet some of the closers. I know I liked the Normandy Invasion last year, and he had to leave the top of the stretch. I had him at 60-1 to 1 in the future book. I, mean, I was licking my chops, uh, but, but he faltered the last 100 yards. Then Orb came running down the middle of the track under uh, Joel Rosario. So, you know, people are going to be looking for the pace scenario and trying to figure out where the winner is going to come from, what style would best suit uh, uh, the mile and a quarter. Well, uh, the, the reason that Normandy Invasion lost is because both you and I were on him at the quarter pole. So <laughs> that's, just too, that's way too much weight to, to, to bear, that's for sure. Well, we've got a couple races coming up. The last race that has derby points, but it really doesn't um, doesn't matter from everything I can see. Uh, it would be the Coolmore-Lexington. And I spoke at the top of the show. This race back in the day, and, of course, you know they're going back to dirt because uh, uh, none of the horses that really came out of this uh, came off the, the, the poly track. But back in the day, the, the Lexington to produce horses like uh, Stefan's Odyssey, second in the Derby, Risen Star, second in the Derby, Hansel, Preakness winner, and Derby winner, and Preakness winner, Charismatic. This race used to be a launching pad for the Derby, but none of these horses, uh, points-wise, will, will have a shot. So I would say this, kind of like the Hawthorne Derby, might be a major Preakness prep. Yeah, that's actually a good categorization of the race. It might actually end up being a a Preakness prep, maybe even a Belmont prep for some of these horses. And, the you know, Charismatic was the most recent horse to, to win coming out of a Lexington. And, you know, if you look down his resume uh, for, for those historians, remember he had run for a claiming tag uh, a few lines down on his PPs, and uh, probably Bob and Beverly Lewis were thrilled that he wasn't claimed that day uh, from trainer D. Wayne Lucas. But, yeah, th- this group, uh, you know, this group is long on potential. And, uh, you know, we'll see if uh, maybe an unbeaten horse like Divine Oath uh, uh, moves forward for Todd Fletcher. I know uh, uh, Mr. Speaker, uh, Shug McGay, he is real high on that horse. Uh, even though the of his race have been on the, on the turf. And, uh, you know, Solitary Ranger is a horse who loves the synthetic. So this is a very interesting race. 
It really is. And you named the three horses I keyed in on. I would have to say, if you gave me 10 bucks right now and said, John, you got one horse to bet, I'm betting Divine Oath. This horse has a running pattern of so many horses of Pletcher that have jumped up and won big races lately. Uh, we're talking about two for two, Javier Castellano in the saddle. I, I know it is going uh, from turf to poly, but as you've probably experienced, that's not usually a big jump. Um, you know, $200,000 yearling, uh, this horse just, uh, in, in this group, it's, and the way that Pletcher's been setting these horses up, you stated earlier the light, how they're changing the patterns with lightly raced horses. Uh, he kind of jumps off the paper to me. And the second horse you mentioned, uh, Mr. Speaker, um, you know, put in a huge rally in the Grade Three Palm Beach again. Not that another turf race. Now he's going to Polly Solitary Ranger. Yes. Good poly horse, but man, I'm scratching my head over his effort in the spiral, and I was really disappointed in the spiral horses in the bluegrass. So, you know, if I was going to make an exact in here, it's going to be with Divine Oath and Mr. Speaker, I think. Yeah, and if I would recommend a bomber to throw into the number, uh, Grand Motion has been hotter than a you-know-what. Yeah. He's been winning races incredibly at Tampa and the Keeneland and Gulfstream, and he's got a horse called Ride Away who... Uh, uh, picks up Julian Le Perot, so if you're looking for a big number horse, that bar in Grand Motion is red hot. Absolutely, it is. I mean, he, he's he's a class act, and uh, he, he, hard to leave him out anywhere. Quite frankly, well, uh, let's uh, let's. Uh, boy, jeez, I have too much fun talking to you. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the other Preakness practice. Preakness Prep coming up this weekend, and that's going to be the Grade 3 Illinois Derby. So thanks for listening. We're talking with Rich Ng. You're listening to Winning Ponies. to the pros we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. 
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, Rich Ng from the Las Vegas Review. Rich, you know, sometimes at the end of the show, I'm kind of rushed, and I try to make sure that I tell people how they can get a hold of you. So rather than pray that my producer's not banging on the window and tell me to cut, give us that information right now. Tell us where people can can uh, uh, see your picks and uh, you know get any information you're putting out, including your book. Well, uh, yeah, my book is called uh, Betting on Horse Racing for Dummies. It's a dummies brand book that you can pick up uh, on the Internet. Uh, Amazon.com would be a sure way to, to order that. Uh, I do sell a lot of books around the Triple Crown and around the Breeders' Cup. There's a lot of newcomers get interested in horse racing, so that's that. Uh, my work in the Las Vegas Review-Journal is, is free to, to, to read over the Internet. Just go to uh, lvrj.com or reviewjournal.com and just go to the sports section. I have a Friday column, which I wrote this morning, that will be in the paper tomorrow. And my handicap of Southern California races is also free to download. And uh, if, if, if people want to follow me on Twitter, they can just go uh, uh, Rich Ng for Pro Pick and, uh, or add Rich Ng for Pro Pick and, uh, and just follow me on Twitter. I've got, uh, I've got about 2,700 followers. That's not too Whoa, much. holy cow, i got 27 followers. <laughs> But you know, I, I, some people some people tell me I'm great, and some people tell me I'm not so great. So you take the good with the bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can't really stop it once you're out there, you know. Um, so uh, on Riching for Pro Pick, it's the number four, correct? Uh, yes, it's the number four. Rich okay, all right, and that's Rich's uh, Twitter. Well, let's go on to a guess what we have to call the, uh, Preakness Prep. Uh, as we know, Hawthorne has not been blessed with uh, uh, big derby points for their grade three Illinois derby. A mile and an eighth is the distance. Uh, it's brought, again, together a field of kind of lightly raced horses. The, the head scratcher for me when I pulled the past performances down, Rich, was seeing that Baffert sent a midnight hawk into this race. Yeah, you know, I was kind of surprised, too, because uh, with the celebrity owners of Midnight Hawk, uh, including uh, two professional coaches, Joel Quinville and Mike Tice, among others, that this would be a logical Kentucky Derby horse, had a lot of celebrity and pizzazz to the field. But he's running in the uh, Illinois Derby, and it's almost hard to imagine that he would run right back in two more weeks you know, for the Kentucky Derby. So we'll have to see how things work out. But he's going to be an extremely short price horse in the Illinois Derby. Um, if I would try to uh, beat this horse or maybe link this horse up with a couple others for exact trifecta purposes, I guess the two horses I would look at first would be uh, either the one dynamic impact, even though he just came out of a maiden race. Uh, I think he's shown some good ability from the uh, Marquesi barn. And the other horse I would look at would also be the five, King Cyrus. Uh, didn't run real well in the Louisiana Derby. We just raced two back. Uh, at Calder, I think, is a pretty good race, and Todd Fletcher is always dangerous when he ships. So I guess if I would try to link somebody up with a three, I might use the one and the five uh, at Hawthorne. Well, to be honest with you, I believe I commented a week or two ago that I was really shocked to see Midnight Hawk 
back in the Sunland Derby after his second to California Chrome in the San Felipe because he was only given, I think, under two weeks off between that race. Yeah, that's a real, when you think about it, that's three races in a short period of time, the San Felipe and March 8th, uh, March 23rd, the Sunland Derby, and now uh, April 19th for uh, this Illinois Derby. So, you know, the way horses are being trained and run nowadays, that's a lot of action for a horse in a the, in the short period of time. Well, and, and, and I've been public on the airwaves that back when this horse was being touted as potential derby horse is saying that I just think he has distance limitations. And, uh, you know, he, he hasn't even proven it at a mile and an eighth. Uh, he, you know, his, his best win was the sham at a flat mile at Santa Anita. Um, it, to me, it's, it, he, this is a good bet against. People are going to see Baffert, you know, and they're going to see those graded stakes races. And uh, like you, I, I think I might go shopping someplace else in this race. I'm just, I'm just scratching my head. There's, I really don't think they can go in the Kentucky Derby. But again, you know, maybe at a mile and three sixteenths, they're looking at this horse as a Preakness horse. And, and who knows? Maybe Midnight Hawk will turn into a a, a really top notch Springer like uh, his daddy, Midnight Loot. Maybe uh, one turn races might be his thing. You, you never know. And, but the thing is, a horse like this, he's always got natural speed. And uh, depending on the right field and the, the right. Uh, a pace scenario, you know, they can all get the distance. It just takes some of them a lot longer. So maybe, uh, maybe it'll be his day finally. Well, listen, Rich, I've had so much fun with you on the show. Uh, probably going to have to pass on some of the bigger field uh, races. Of course, Cowie Katie's making her uh, debut in the Distaff Handicap. But I didn't want to leave a, a race off that's going to draw some headlines. I just wanted to, uh, you know, when, when you're running for one and a half million dollars at Charlestown for a mile and an eighth. Uh, who comes into town but none other than the dude, Game On Dude, who won this race last year, and the horse that he just squeaked by by a half a length, Clubhouse Ride, was probably on the same plane with him coming in from California, and all of a sudden uh, Eric Gouliot shows up with Moreno, a mystery horse. Uh, what do you think about this race? I, I, I got a feeling it's dude's race to win. Well, a game on dude's going to be a, an extremely short price, probably in the one to five, two to five, even uh, one to two range. Uh, as a as a as a handicapper and a better, I'd, I'd love to play against a horse like that, but it looks awful tough. I think the the only scenario where this horse gets beat is if a horse like Moreno just goes right after his throat from the get go and you start setting some ridiculous fractions or something like that. Now, if I was going to look for a horse to run from the back and and try to run over these two, say if they do get in a speed duel, it might be a long river. Right. Even though he's, even though he's been running uh, in wintertime uh, aqueduct on the inner track, he shows some real ability. So uh, I think uh, I read Ortiz will just sit in the back and pick up what he can, and if they go too fast, you never know. Absolutely, and that that would be the scenario in here. Um, of course, uh, Clubhouse Ride has had three starts this season already. Uh, at close call in the San Carlos, uh, but uh, you know, still uh, needs to needs to get into better form than that. But uh, he he has run behind the dude on several occasions uh, last year. Then not only this race, but the San Anita Handicap and the San Antonio. So, well, it looks like I only got about uh, under a minute left, Rich. I want to thank you so much uh, for coming on with us as often as you do. I get a lot of positive feedback when you're on the show and. Uh, I thank you, and I wish you nothing but the best of luck. 
Yeah, and let me just throw in a quick plug for the Kentucky Derby. I'm going to be at Mohican Sun in Connecticut working their uh, Kentucky Derby ballroom party. So if any of your listeners are in the Connecticut, New York, Massachusetts area, that's where I'll be for the Derby, and I uh, would love to, to talk to some of your listeners. Oh, so I won't see your smiling face down in Kentucky, huh? No, I, I've been to the 15 derbies, but uh, I'm not going to be to, to this one, and I hope you have a, a fantastic time as you usually do, Ken. I, I try to squeak one in. Well, thanks very much, uh, ladies and gentlemen. We've been talking with Rich Ang, no stranger to you. Uh, you know, again, handicapping for dummies. If you're a neophyte or you've got a friend that is, great book. And again, you can get Rich on uh, the uh, Las Vegas Review Journal and, and his picks. So I want to thank him. I want to thank Kentucky Derby winning rider Stuart Elliott. And I want to thank all the people involved with winning ponies. Don't forget, get up on the website because the easy win forms have been knocking them dead across the country. So for all of you players who bring a friend to the races, remember, whatever you do, practice safe bets. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.